Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. The monsters will now start attacking Tokyo. You may wish to deny it, but your eyes tell you it's true. Sound. I'll turn up the sound so you can hear the monsters dueling to the death. Welcome to episode 174 of the Kaiju Cast, a podcast 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber suited foes. My name is Kyle, and this is the second episode of May 2016, and uh, this is actually sort of a little bit of a bonus episode in a sense. Earlier this month, when I released episode 173, I forgot to mention anything about the Daikaiju discussion, which is, of course, our monthly discussion where we watch and review a movie. Now, unfortunately, the movie that we were supposed to be watching this month is called Ultra Q the Movie, which has never had an official or even really an unofficial U.S. release. There's no subtitled version out there available that I know of. So I think what we'll do instead of watching that movie this month is we'll take Ultra Q the Movie, we'll slide it all the way to the end of the Daikaiju discussions. You know, maybe somebody will release it. You never know. It's the 50th anniversary of Ultraman this year and Ultra Q, so maybe something crazy will happen. Also, something else I want to mention, I have been overwhelmed with requests to join in on the Japan trip. We've already got our slots filled, but we do have a waiting list going. So if you are still interested, I can put you on that waiting list. I just, you know, can't guarantee that you'll get on the trip. Things will shake up a little bit, I'm sure, in the the near future. So who knows what's going to happen? Just uh, keep that in mind. And if you've already, you know, sent in an email, I really thank you so much. It's really cool to see so many people interested in heading to the land of the rising sun. And who knows, maybe this could be something that we actually do more than once. We'll see. Now, this episode of the Kaiju Cast is a little bit of a bonus episode. Last year, I tried to record every single thing I did at G-Fest and uh, ended up missing one that would have been the 50 Years of Gamera panel that I did with Mr. August Ragoni. Anyway, thanks to Robert Wright Stasco, who recorded this on his phone, you now get to take part in the 50 Years of Gamera panel from G-Fest. And we'll see you for another episode real soon. Until then, ja mata. Cast, 
But I am also the webmaster of the defunct but still active Shrine of Gamrock. Yes. So I am here to uh, to lend my my enthusiastic knowledge and love of Gamrock to this panel. Something. I don't know. So let's get started. Who here loves Gamrock? If you don't love Gamera, get the hell out of the room. <laughs> so, uh, we basically, what we want to do is we just kind of want to go through the beats of, of all of the movies. Not the entire movies, obviously, but just our, some of our favorite parts, some of our favorite segments, and some of our favorite moments from Gamera's 50-year history. And I think another interesting thing, too, is, is sort of like, you know, would be to find out what was the first time that Gamera entered your life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When did you accept Gamera? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and say the first time I ever saw Gamera was on Mystery Science Theater 2000, actually. I know that show gets black from some of the hardcore Godzilla fans just because it, you know, makes fun of two of the Godzilla movies and a lot of the Gamera films from the Showa era, but to be honest, it really did open the door for the, you know, giant flying saber-toothed turtle for me. Yeah, and you know, like, over the years, you know, I kind of felt the same way, where it was like, they're making fun of these movies, but I think it was mostly that I was, uh, it was not the show itself, it was uh, some of the culture that came around from the show of people that felt that they could just go to movies now, theaters, and just do that to, end, to rip on any movie. When you True. pay ten or fifteen dollars, it's like, hey, buddy, shut up! It's not your living room, man. Yeah. Put it home. When you have your own comedy special on BET, let me know. <laughs> so uh, let's actually start at the beginning of Gamera. Let's not talk about the film just yet. Let's talk about the pre-production of the film. So before Gamera came about, Dae must have said something along the lines of, "This Godzilla is pretty huge. We should yeah. do our own thing." Yeah, and in fact, they were thinking more along the lines of. Uh, of imitating uh, some American films, they said instead of like coming up with a dinosaurian kaijuin uh, monster, they decided to do giant rats. <laughs> and as I explained on the shop fact, I worked on the shop factory Gamera DVDs. You guys seen those, right? But the crowning achievement was being included on the Mystery Science Theater. <laughs> yeah, that was really. Awesome. Have you have anybody seen that? Anybody seen the? Yeah, that's, a, that's actually it's a really great like box set for one, and then the bonus the bonus content having my buddy August on it was pretty rad too. So I talked for a half hour about the background the background camera on that, and uh, and I also added that you know we have to thank Mystery Science Theater for keeping Gamera on TV. Because all the films had disappeared after AIP, American International uh, Television, lost the rights, or those went defunct and they started pulling those movies off of television. And so, if it weren't for Mystery Science Theater, a lot of people would have forgotten Gamera until you know the Kaneko films dropped. Sure. So, yeah, you know, we really have to be thankful for that. But my history with Gamera goes back uh, very, very early. And uh, when I was a kid, I loved monster movies. Like that's why we're all here, right? Duh. So. You know, I would beg my family to go to movies, and I grew up in San Francisco, and we had lots of theaters in the neighborhood I grew up in. We had like five movie theaters on one street, and on you know, both sides of the street. It was about five, five theaters, sometimes six, depending on which one was now showing, you know, films in Espanol, or religious films, or doing a gospel church on Sundays. But there was this one theater called The Grand, and they did three horror, science fiction, and fantasy films. Every Wednesday, they changed the movies, they'd play for a week, and it was 50 cents for kids. 
So when any new movies came, I would tell my aunt or my mom, and who both loved horror films, and raised me by going to drive-ins. You know, they're not going to pay for a babysitter, just stick the kid and go to the drive-in, stick the kid in the back of the car. And my aunt, my mom, her twin sister, my aunt, would love horror films. So I grew up with, with horror movies. And so there was this movie, these movies were playing in the theater, and all I remember is like, I have to see this, I have to see this, I have to see this, I have to see this. And I was probably about four or five years old. And so my aunt took me to see Gamera the Invincible at the Grand Theater. And it was like, I think a weekday. <laughs> I can't wait till Saturday. We have to go now. And so we go into this theater. And I, the movie made such a big impression with this black and white. And uh, it was just really just this really intense impression that invaded my child, like my child's eyes and my brain. And I went, this is cool. So when cameras started popping up on TV, I had to watch every Japanese monster movie that played on television. I don't blame you, man. So let's talk a little bit about the first film so we can get moving into this uh, yes. into this presentation. So the first first Gamera film, Gamera the Invincible, is it known here in the, in the States, and just uh, Daikaiju Gamera, right, in, right. The, in Japan? Right. Directed by Noriaka Yuasa, who essentially, if you, if you have any love for the Showa-era Gamera films, especially the ones that are more child-friendly, Kitty fair stuff. Then oh, come on, they're cutting up monsters into little itty bitty pieces. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to Iran, of course. But the, uh, if, if, you, if you love that stuff, Noriaka Yuasa is the man to thank for that particular vein of monster movie. I mean, he obviously, they were making their own spinoff on uh, Godzilla, and he did the first film. Did he? Was he involved? Second one? Yeah, was, yeah, he was yeah. in the second one that they demoted him. Yeah, right. That's and I remember that for your, behind that your we'll, commentary. We'll, yeah. we'll get that into the, when we get into the slides. But uh, so Yuasa was the man. I mean, he's the guy who basically had a vision for this camera series, and he took it to where you see it today, especially with the show stuff. Obviously, uh, what are some of your favorite moments from that very first film, especially since you saw it in the theater? Yeah, well, you know, the biggest the biggest thing I remember is all the scenes when he when he breaks out at the very beginning and uh, in the Arctic and he attacks the uh, research vessel, and that's the foremost thing that stuck in my head. And some of the city destruction, and then the end of the movie where they launch him in a rocket. I'm like, as a kid, that was such high concept. They're like launching a 200 foot tall monster and, and, and into space. Do you guys remember the name of, of the operation? The Sea Plan. Plan Z. <laughs> that must have been the last one, right? The yes. last one. Yes. Plan Z. Yeah, I think, honestly, my favorite aspect of the very first Gamera film is just the fact that you've got the little kid who's insistent that that little turtle turned into yeah. Gamera. Yeah, as I said in the audio commentary for Gamera, uh, that uh, the kid is insane. He's clearly <laughs> sociopathic. Uh, and there's something very, very wrong with Toshio. Oh my! So what happened to him after Gamera? Is he in like a mental hospital? No, is that no? I think he was elected to prime minister. Oh, oh my god! Shots fired. Zing. <laughs> so the first Gamera film, how did it do in Japan? Like, how, how was it, it received? Was, no, it was a surprise hit. Everyone at Daei, because of the canceled giant rat movie, 
Anybody want to hear a little more about the giant rat? Yes, yeah. Yeah. So the original concept, and you know, if you want to hear the expanded version, get the Mystery Science Theater box set. But, but uh, the, the quick story is they wanted to do capitalize on monster pictures, and they said, okay, atomic mutated rats turn into giant rats in Tokyo and start eating people and running around loose in the streets. And they decided to use, it's, you know, they built actually a rat suit. And they went, that didn't work out so well. You know, it just didn't look realistic enough. Didn't look ratty enough. And, <laughs> and they had one of the, uh, precisely, they had uh, a top suit maker, you know, a monster suit maker do it. And it was still not convincing for the director, who was a guy who did mostly historical epics and war films. <laughs> and, he, and he eventually was the guy who directed uh, the second Gamera film, Gamera vs. Baragon. But, uh, uh, you know, he was like, no, 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 we'll use real rats. So the, the effects people, instead of getting lab rats, they went out and caught wild rats. <laughs> and then tried to corral them and herd them. And wild rats don't react too well to human intervention of like, oh, over here, rat. Over here. Over here. Your motivation is this. Camera B, look at camera B. The rats aren't going to cooperate. So they built these miniature sets. They shot over two, it was like 20,000 feet of film test footage. Just with these rats running around. There was a outbreak, and they had to shut down production, <laughs> the camera crew were getting bitten by rat fleas. Yes. So they shut down the production, they had to exterminate all those rats, Aww. and the way they did it is they just took them out and burned them. <laughs> the Japanese health neighbors of Dai Studios were called the health department. The health department came in and eventually shut down the production and said, you can't do this because these rats, <laughs> and the fleas, they're going to infest their neighbors. They're just going to get, they're getting loose. And you can't just take these rats and put them in a box and burn them. <laughs> You're in the middle of a residential neighborhood. You're a studio, but you have neighbors. But right before all that happened, they said we had to motivate these rats. And we had them on these miniature sets. And they're supposed to run on the freeway, little miniature, like, you know, on-ramps and off-ramps, and they couldn't get him to go. So someone had the bright idea, and I'm not, I'm going to withhold his name. Not that, you know, anybody would remember it five minutes after I told you, because I can't. But, <laughs> and, you know, we have to protect his family, you know, really, you know. Uh, they put metal plates all over the miniature set, and they electrocuted the rats oh. to make them move. <laughs> so every time they wanted the rats to move or jump, they would shock them. Yeah, that's a lot of And, I mean, yeah, see, no one's applauding or really laughing because that's animal cruelty. But, uh, so I withheld that information on the audio commentary because I didn't want people to have a negative view of the filmmakers. But when I did the, 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 uh, the little featurette on, uh, on the shot on the uh, MS3K, uh, I said, I'm going to go ahead and do it because this is just right for the MS3K crowd. Oh, yeah. Said, yeah, they were, they were electrocuting the rats. And then someone said, this is just a bad idea. Let's just do a man in the suit. So what they finally did, long story longer, tell me if you're keeping away, because I'm not. Um, what they decided to do is one of the producers said he was coming back, the main guy, the head of uh, DIA Studios, was coming back from a foreign uh, film festival. And he looked outside the window of the plane, and this sounds a lot like Tomoyuki Tanaka's story about Godzilla. And he saw a cloud or an island. The stories vary on depending on who told it, whether it was uh, Nissan Takahashi, who was the, uh, uh, the screenwriter for all the Showa Gamera movies, or whether it was Noriaki Iwasa. The, the story accounts are a little different. 
but as he either spotted an island looking down at the sea or a cloud that looked like a flying turtle. And so he came back to the studio and went to the literary department and went to the writers, write a story about a giant flying turtle. I'll be back in two hours. And quickly he saw Takahashi, and all the writers started writing, and he wrote the story uh, that was, he quickly titled, uh, Fire-Eating Turtle Destroys Tokyo. <laughs> so he looked at all the stories, he looked at Nissan Takahashi's story, and he goes, this is the one we're filming, write a script right now. <laughs> and that's how Gamera started. Sensational headlines, the birthplace of Gamera. Flying turtle attacks Tokyo. <laughs> I think we're past that uh, animal cruelty. Things are going to get a lot more lighthearted now. Yes. <laughs> I mean, Until we get to the uh, you know child trauma of monsters being vivisected. True, <laughs> true. So, uh, what, do you want to say anything else about the original Gamera film? Like, I know we didn't really cover it. Well, Gamera, Gamera is like very unique compared to Toho's monsters. Dae's attitude of filming—they're they're sort of like every studio had its own tone in Japan. There were five big studios. Toho had sort of like the everyman, very happy, light-hearted films. You can see that in films, like even the darker films. You know, in King Kong vs. Godzilla, it's kind of very bouncy, a lot of fun movie. You know, something like Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. And as opposed to, like, Gamera vs. Baragon, where Baragon just, like, playing up eats people. You know? And that wasn't really happening until, at Toho, until you get to, you know, War of the Gargantuas, really. And uh, you don't really see much of it after that film. But in the Dae films, they were just darker tone. Human characters were way more flawed. They weren't as good and just, you know, like, we're just here to save the world. You know, you had people that were, you know, dealing with their own inner trauma. Even the children were, like Toshio, dealing with his own inter, inner insanity. <laughs> the kid is nuts. Yes. <laughs> I know he's tippy by turtle. No, he's not. <laughs> but Gamera was unique because, you know, to die from the very beginning, you know the title, Super Monster, right? From the last movie with the space girls, who can forget. Any of you traumatized by that movie? Yes. I was traumatized. But, you know, that film was billed as Super Monster Gamera. Well, Dae's early publicity material for foreign markets was Super Monster Gamera, the Super Monster. And they called him the Super Monster because he could fly. And that whole weird thing about the jets and the spinning and the shell and the flying was just way out in orbit compared to what Dae Toho was doing, which was, you know, Geeter the Three-Headed Monster is more reality-based than Gamera. <laughs> Yeah, I can't imagine somebody actually saying, give me the real-world connection for Gamera to anything aside from a turtle. It just, it's weird. But I, I love seeing the old Showa spinning, flying Gamera with the smoke pouring out of the flame holes. <laughs> like, it's the, I, it's the best. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit the worst, but it's really, it's so fun. And that's what, I think that is the charm that the Showa era has. It's really, really... Fun. Yeah, and seeing those movies as a kid, I mean, the shots of the of Gamera flying were very evocative for a kid because it was like it's nothing you've ever seen. It's so far removed from reality. It was just it was to to, to an eight year old, ten year old kid, it was badass, you know. And I remember one late night. We used to stay up late night. A lot of us did. A lot of us from my generation. Uh, we'll be meeting in the bar later for uh, tons from Jericho. But. Uh, you know, watching those movies late night, there were things that would come on and you could only catch them on TV. We didn't have VCRs, VHS, DVDs, none of that. You had watched on TV or you didn't see it at all. You know, so you would have movies on at 11.30 at night or 3 in the morning. 
and you would circle the things, and the TV guide would come out on Tuesday. That was a big day when you were a kid. TV guide's out on Tuesday, and you'd go through it in the store, you know, and you would like start looking. Oh my God, Destroy All Monsters is on Sunday, and then you would pay your quarter, and you'd run home and like sit there and circle all the movies you had to watch that week, you know. And so there was no video on demand, you know. It was like you had to be on their demand. And if, if I ever like passed out before the movie came on. I would wake up so angry. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Somebody should have locked me up away with Toshio. <laughs> I missed away from space. I'm going to die. I'll never see it. But I remember a late night showing of Return of the Giant Monsters, which was Gamera vs. Gauss, and, and, and seeing that movie was just like, yeah, well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, let's move on. Gamera, it was just the insane. next one, these movies on TV. Yeah, I, I actually do kind of wish that Somewhat wish that I was around it when they were showing them on TV. The big boom of the of the early seventies, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was the like late sixties. I was growing up, growing up in the seventies, watching all this stuff on TV. Godzilla and Japanese monsters were so popular in the U.S. back then that every TV station across the country would just run these movies to death. I mean, there was there was not a week that went by that not at least one of them was on TV, along with every other horror, science fiction, and fantasy film. It was like. We had such an education as kids in that time because television was just pouring, throwing monster movies at us. And if you were lucky to have uh, live in a city that had a revival theater or a second or third run theater, they would show horror films too, so you could see them on TV. There would, ideally, here was a Saturday when I was a kid. I could get up and watch Chiller Diller Matinee at noon so I could watch like maybe a universal horror film or a Hammer film. Then I would go to the Grand Theater and sit through three movies, right? And I would see, like, Taste the Blood of Dracula, uh, Ghidra the Three-Headed Monster, and Latitude Zero. That was one actual program. And then I would come home, have dinner, and that night watch Creature, a double feature on Creature the yeah. <laughs> We were very, very lucky. You know, in a way, it's even, we have video libraries now, and you just go like, yeah, I don't want to watch, uh, you know, GMK again for the 400th time. Maybe I'll watch Beaches. <laughs> We didn't have time for that when we were kids. We were like, you had to watch it on TV, so you were obsessed with this stuff. And the one thing about you know the original Gamera is that uh, you know what what's better, Kyle, the the Japanese version or the American version? For me, yes. the American version. Oh, yes. I mean, anybody who listens to the podcast, they know how I feel about the Showa era movies and and how I like my giant monster movies. I like my giant monster movies to be fun. I like them to be engaging, and I like—I don't like the dark stuff too much, you know. So, uh, like, and actually, I think this could be a good segue. But I want to know what you prefer—U.S. <laughs> or, or Japanese for the no, camera? No, definitely the U.S. version because my favorite part of that movie is the uh, is the television uh, argument of the two television commentators, Alan Oppenheimer and the other guy, and he goes. Every time you pray, you make a bigger jackass of yourself. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite scenes. And Alan Oppenheimer is the... Uh, how many people know uh, the American version in this argument between the two television people? Right? So there's these two commentators arguing whether this gamma reports of this gamma are, you know, are real or not. And, and, and they go off on these tangents, and one guy is sort of the... You know, the, the realist, you know, sort of the Republican, and the other guy is really like the crazy lefty, you know... 
So, you know, and, he, and he's going like, well, there's stories that go back to Andalusian times. So then he's going, shut up. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And they get into this heated argument where they just start yelling at each other, of course. And Alan Oppenheimer is, is the guy, you know, who is the, the, the lefty. And he, and trivia, he is the voice. He eventually became the voice of Skeletor. He was also on Seinfeld. I never thought I'd get to do my Skeletor impersonation, impersonation here. Uh, well, so I was saying something about the, uh, like, I like them fun and lighthearted. All of the Showa Gamera films are lighthearted. But the next film, the sequel, Gamera vs. Barugan, actually took a bit of a, Dark a serious tone. Yeah, so it wasn't... I don't particularly enjoy that film so much in the Gamera, you know, tone. In the menu, yeah. But, uh, but I mean, Gamera vs. Barugan is actually it's a solid kaiju film, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, the... Uh, so the first one was a big hit. So, you know, it was the... And no one at Daiei wanted to direct the movie. All the big-time directors there were like, monster movies. I'm not touching a monster movie. You've got to be kidding. I'm too good for a monster movie. Let's give it to the young guy here. Noriaki Yuasa was the guy they pointed at, who whose dad was a big star at Daiei Studios. And they're like, yeah, give it to, you know, give it to... His dad's name was Hoshi. His last name's Hoshi. He goes, give it to Hoshi's kid. Let's see him screw it up. You know, he'll direct anything. Yeah, you yeah, also had directed like a pop movie, like with Hugh Sakamoto, who had a number one hit in the United States called Sukiyaki in the '60s. So it was a musical, like a teenage musical, and it bombed. And it had it's like the number one singing star in Japan, and the movie bombed. And so everybody goes, "Give the, the turtle movie to that kid." So he directed it, and it became a big hit. He had a lot of trials and tribulations along the way, and they even had he had asked. He had to ask Subaraya for help, A.G. Subaraya at Toho, because they go, we don't have the total special effects infrastructure. Can you send some guys over to help us? Mm -hmm. And so some of the guys who played monsters on the Ultraman show, the suit actors, were actually the guys that eventually climbed into all the Gamera monsters and played Gamera and the enemy monsters. So they got help from Toho. And so Yuasa had these resources because of his dad being such a big star. Yeah. So he made this surprise hit movie, and so Daiei goes, okay, we're going to make another Gamera movie right away, we're going to double the budget, and uh, Yuasa, you're out. The guy who turned down the first Gamera movie is going to do it, so you'll be his assistant director, and you can do the special effects. <laughs> the special effects. And so they decided, well, what if we make it a bigger, better movie, and we'll really try to compete with Toho, and we're going to make it kind of like darker and more serious. And uh, what happened... Let me move it off this slide since we're talking about darker. You know what? You can only eat just one. Nobody Nothing? Joke. No, I'm too old. Right. I'm too old. That was a Lay's potato chip commercial, so it's a triple entendre. Sorry. Uh, but with Gamera's Baragon, they tried to be a lot more uh, serious with the film. And uh, they noticed that kids in the theater... Because it, the, it was double featured with Daimajin. The first Daimajin movie. And uh, kids in the audience were, between all the human scenes, which there are many, and there are many dramatic scenes with the actors, so kids were running around and throwing popcorn at each other and running up and down the aisles, and Yuasa was sitting in the audience, he goes, the next movie can't be like this. Yeah, yeah. You know, so then he did my favorite, Gamma vs. Gauss. But uh, it, for this film, when it came to the United States, everybody kind of noticed that it was, you know, uh, a bigger, better production. But uh, AIP fortuitously, uh, American International Pictures, when they brought it directly to television, uh, they said this movie's too long and it's too talky. 
So they cut about 20 minutes out of film and shortened, tightened it up, and, uh, and so the, the, the monster action wasn't so far apart. They didn't do any restructuring of the film. They just shortened the dialogue scenes and cut to the chase, basically. And I think it's a better version of that film. And an interesting thing about AIP and Gamera and editing is that uh, AIP said, uh, we're going to buy any other Gamera movies you make. Right, this is directly while Dai is producing them. So when they did Gamera versus Virus, uh, uh, they, AIP went, this is too short. And they said, the, movie, the movie's got to be about 10 minutes longer. So uh, Dai said, hey, our American buyer wants the movie to be 10 minutes longer. So Noriyaki Yoasa went in there and did 10 more minutes in the flashback scene. So the flashback oh. scene is 10 minutes longer. I did not know that. Yeah, and then that was eventually released in Japan as the longer foreign cut. Do you guys have the Shout Factory DVDs? The, the Gamera Shout Factory DVDs? Yes. yes. All two of you? Well, the, uh, the, so obviously, obvi obviously August did the commentary for the first and the, was second. Jade? We just did the first and the second. second. Yeah. 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 I had written this script for Gamera vs. Gauss, but uh, then we were told that... Uh, well, we're just going to put on the audio tracks for uh, both English audio tracks, and we're double featuring the rest of the films. Right. So there's not enough. We're going to skip. We're going to forego the audio commentaries. How do you feel about that? And I went, well, that sucks. But you know, ideally for the fans, instead of like listening to somebody like me drone, and there's the guy second from the left was the guy who was the janitor's cousin who eventually married. No one cares. You can hear all that kind of stuff about Monster Zero later today. Yeah. Uh, right now we Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I said, no, no, you know what fans really want is they want the Sandy Frank dub and they want the AIP dub. So yeah, if it's a sacrifice over the audio commentary or both dubs, I'm gonna step back because that's what you know is more important is saving those two dubs. So I went, yeah, well, you know, I had a lot of great stuff to tell you people about Gauss, but you know, whatever, we'll save that for your, for a future date or a future video. Yeah, yeah. Book. I should yes. probably write a book about Gamera. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But he's not busy doing a thousand things and being an jet, international jet setter. I don't know what you're talking about. International Sophisticated Playboys Club. He's a double knot agent. Uh, so how did how did Barugan play here in the States? Like, did it do okay? Well, it went straight to television, so it's really oh, hard yeah, to tell. Hard to because, you know, uh, all the AIP uh, movies, that when they picked up the Gamera films, they all went straight to TV. I guess AIP said, you know, it's going to be hard to market these things uh, theatrically. Uh, or maybe they didn't feel that they were up to the quality of the Toho films that they got. You know, even though some of the Toho films went straight to TV right away, like uh, Attack of the Mushroom People and Matongo went straight to TV, and uh, Dover and the Space Monster went straight to TV. Yeah, because I guess AIP at the time of these releases wasn't really doing nearly as many theatrical monster movies, right? No, they were still doing a lot of them, but they were also buying stuff up to fill television slots because they would have to, it, it's a long explanation, but they used to sell, uh, any studio would sell films and packages, so you couldn't work for a TV station and go, we just want this one movie. You'd have to buy a package of five movies, so if you wanted Gone with the Wind, you had to take Die Monster Die. You know, so... <laughs> So these things went straight to television. Or if you want Die, Monster, Die, you have to say Gone with the Wind. Yeah, that's, that's the way I look at things. Because I want to see Nick Adams and Boris Karloff together in the same film. Who doesn't? Yeah. So this film was, you know, unique, Gamma vs. Baragon, just because of the monster, the enemy monster itself. 
and uh, it was the opposing forces, you know, it's fire against ice. And originally, the original plan was not for a lizard monster. The original plan for the film were ice giants. It was going to be a humanoid giant made of ice that came from outer space that starts stopping the world, and then Gamera fights. So it's literally fire and ice. Who <laughs> you know, Gamera versus the ice giant. Uh, they eventually, as they were uh, doing the planning for the film and, and the rewrites and the development of the story, they started getting further away and, and other influences came in and said, well, you know, let's move away from that. We want another Godzilla-type monster, lizard-type monster. Let's go with that kind of four-footed dinosaurian thing and not so much a big giant Iceman, you know, not a big frosty snowman. I would have been. So, uh, so someone said, but that idea is still kind of cool, so we're going to keep that around and let's redevelop that. So some other people started developing that ice giant idea, which eventually became Daimajin. Really? And the interesting thing is that when Paragon opened, the co-feature was Daimajin. <laughs> nice, nice. So uh, as far nice, nice baby. That's right. August made a joke about vanilla ice. Yes, I did. And the camera panel. So uh, uh, let's move on to the next film because we are. Yeah, so you know, the whole time. thing with kid, kids running up and down, being bored with the dialogue scenes in Gamma vs. Baragon. Like, the film tanked in Japan. Gamma vs. Baragon underperformed. It didn't, it didn't bomb entirely, it just didn't do what they thought it was going to do for the amount of money that they poured into it. They didn't lose their shirts, but they were disappointed. And they said, well, we put our top director on the film, and it didn't do so well. So, hey, uh, let's get that Yuasa kid to come back because <laughs> the first one was a hit. Maybe it has something to do with him. Duh. <laughs> and they said, make it a little more action-oriented. Yuasa goes, I got this, man. I watched your movie. I watched Baragon. I know what to do now. <laughs> and this is my favorite of the Showa Gamera movies. Who's a big fan of Gauss? Or the Rodan, technically, right. but like he's like the big bad from from the Gamera series. Right. I mean, t technically, Gam Gamera fights Gauss several times throughout the entire movie history. history. Yeah, yeah. And it's just a great movie because it's so it's so many amazing images in this film. And like I said earlier, I saw it the first time like at eleven thirty at night on a Sunday night. And my mom would let me stay up late, and uh, to, like I know a lot, I know a lot of people that had the same you know experiences I did growing up. And they would go, my parents could, wouldn't let us watch monster movies, so we had to sneak down and turn it down real low. My mom would, you know, just go, make sure you get to school tomorrow. That's all you have to promise me is you're going to be at school in time. And so I got to watch monster movies. And uh, late night, so I saw this film, and it just, like, blazed into my head. It's my favorite camera movie. Back then, we didn't have video recorders, so I would audio record the movies. And if it was on during the day or the fan, like around 6 o'clock, I would have to tell everybody, Shut up, I'm recording! <laughs> Make no noise! Quite on set. So I would record these movies and play them over and over and over again and like close my eyes and relive the thing like Ichiro and Godzilla Revenge. And, uh, and so I would have these movies memorized orally as well. And so, uh, orally, orally, not orally, orally. And, uh, what am I, turning into an Irishman? I only watch Gamera. So, uh, you know, this film is just so iconic. I think it's, it's the best one dramatically, and it has great arcs, and you have, you know, you have the kid who gets to ride on Gamera's back, and who doesn't want to ride on Gamera's back? Come on, really. You know, you know. And 
Kyle like said, Mouse is badass. He has a laser scalpel. Come on. Yeah. He looks like a bat. And in the original development for the story when they didn't have a, uh, a name for the monster yet, and that was unique to Dae's script, they would go, okay, here's, we have the idea for the monster, we'll worry about the name later. Because they would also have to register the name and make sure nobody stole the name, so they would have an alternate name on the scripts. So it was originally uh, titled Gamera vs. the Vampire. Oh. Right? That was, the, that was the temporary placeholder title. Yeah, I've heard him called the Vampire Bat, right? Right, yeah, yeah. So, who doesn't like Vampire Bats? That shoot lasers. <laughs> I, I think, actually, my favorite aspect of Gauss, and that includes the movie, too, is his, uh, his roar. Yeah. It's so iconic, and, like, you hear a lot of Godzilla roars, and they're, you know, and other Toho Kaiju roars, and they're, they're cool, and they reuse a lot of stuff, but Gauss has such a unique sound. Yeah. I'm not even going to try and replicate it here, yeah. but the uh, it, it's so so weird and haunting, almost. But it's a, and he's, of course has a laser scalpel that comes out of this. Yeah. And the movie, and the movie has a great flat top. Yeah. It's just yeah. awesome looking, man. And then the film has a great score. So it was all around winner. And of course, that became a hit. What happens? Okay, you lost it. What do you have for us next? Oh yeah, the oh, yeah, Sorry, we have more slides of Gamma versus Gauss than I thought. We'll be here all day if we if we had to go through everything. Oh, and next then we up, get to the Tentacled Beast from space. <laughs> Actually, this is one of my favorite Gamma films. Gamma versus Virus. Anybody see it as a kid as Destroy All Planets? Yes. Nice. Yes. AIP went. Well, we had Destroy All Monsters. Let's just call this Destroy All Planets. <laughs> Are they really destroying any planets? I don't know, but it's a good title. <laughs> Who cares? I certainly went destroy all planets. I have to, I read the name in the TV guide. I gotta see this movie. <laughs> hey, the description says it's camera. Oh hell, I have to really watch this movie. <laughs> so this movie has uh, one of my favorite scenes in a camera film involving the human characters, yep. and that's where all of the alien henchmen are lined up. You guys have all seen this film, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't want to spoil this, but I actually do kind of want to spoil this for you if you haven't seen it. All of the alien henchmen are lined up, and they're they're uh, in front of Virus, who is addressing them. And then at one point, he lifts one of his big, lunky tentacles and just goes, and all of their heads come off. <laughs> it was so cool. And, like, completely unexpected for me. I had no idea that was coming. And uh, it... It's so rad. Like in their eyes, they have those weird like eye yeah. things. Yeah, little blinky eyes, blinky alien eyes. This is now. This is obviously the first alien invasion film from Gamera. Gamera's going to fight a lot more alien monsters throughout his life. Uh, I I don't have any real memories of when I first saw this. I mean the the iconic, the most iconic stuff in this film. Like Gauss is super iconic as a monster, and then. For me, the most iconic stuff in this film is the alien spaceship. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thing. I love that. Eventually, I want to try and make one and have it just, like, spinning in my room all the time. <laughs> well, if you get one, tell me where I can live. Okay. I will do So, uh, what, uh, what are your memories from watching this film? That was another one where it was on, like, the six o'clock million dollar movie. And it was Monster, <laughs> Monster Beanies Week in 1974. Yes, there were people born before 1974. <laughs> and, uh, you know, of course, man, we're sitting there, me and my friend Alfonso from grammar school, you know, we're sitting there, and I've got the microphone, and I'm telling everybody, I'm recording. 
and uh, just, I mean, the movie's a lot of fun. you got the Boy Scouts in it, and they're up to no good, and they up the adults in the film, and they're the ones who actually save the world, so it's kind of empowering for oh, yeah, kids, that's because great. the adults in that film, including the military, are all made to look like fools, and the kids are goofy and stumbling and bumbling along the way, but they are the guys who actually figure out how to save the world. Yeah. So Actually, kid, I would, that's like yeah, and this picked it off too because this that happens pretty much in all the rest of the show camera films. Yeah, because yeah. the previous films, the kids were merely sort of the spectators, uh, you know, except for Gamera versus Gauss, where the kids threatened by Gauss personally and then rides on Gamera's back. And in, in this film, it's now the mischievous two two buddies. And so it becomes a buddy picture from now on. So you know, it's like Bad Boys One and Bad Boys Two camera. <laughs> And of course, you know, Daya is doing very unique, just out-of-the-box designs compared to Toho as far as monsters are concerned. The concepts are just really wild. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, dude, we have like ten minutes to cover the rest of the Gamera movies. We <laughs> talk too much. Yeah, it's going to happen. I'm just going to move along. Yes. We were talking about monsters being sliced up and bloodied, and uh, this is my favorite of the Gamera films. Yeah. Uh, if... And actually, while I love the film, I'm going to go ahead and tell my, my favorite personal story regarding this. Giron, as silly as he looks, is a really cool-looking monster, in my opinion. So cool, in fact, that when my son, Tiger, was uh, not even one year old, we entered him into the costume contest in Chief Fest 1999 as Giron. We had, like, this, uh, this, like... Big, it, was a onesie. it was like big onesie with legs and arms, and uh, we painted it with we painted it with a liquid green liquid latex and sewed a big knife head on it. He won. The director was at GFest '99, and he got down on all fours and played camera with it was with really the, with, the, with the tiger, oh. and he was running around going. There's lots of pictures Kyle got of Soriaki Yuasa holding uh, holding his kid. Yeah, that was Elon. That was really, really uh, like a mem the most memorable moment I had had yeah. about giant monster stuff. Yeah. And uh, Tiger, as a 16 year old, loves it when I tell these stories now. <laughs> Remember the time I dressed you as Elon at Dad, shut up. Tiger, you're you're G Fest famous. I'm scarred for life, Dad. <laughs> but but seriously, uh, this is the first time we see Gamera go into space. Uh, well, actually not into space, but like to a different planet. And uh, Tom and Akio, the kids. I, I love everything about this. Pornjob, stupid movie. Pornjob, he's like an actual like Japanese comedian guy, right? Yeah, yeah, like uh, yeah. I don't know he's if he's a comedian. Popular, or he's, very he's still breathing. They did a Gamera festival last year. Really? And he was the guest. Awesome. Yeah. Very cool. Unfortunately, moving on. Yes. Do you have any memories you want to share of this film? Oh, no. It, I just loved it as a kid. Again, I'm, I'm, we're watching it at the right age. You know, I'm almost as, you know, the same age as the kids in the movie. Yeah. You see it. So, you know, I identify with them. It's colorful. It's got a lot of action. And I just loved it, you know. And it, who would love a giant monster that's whole body is basically a carving knife? <laughs> and he shoots shurikens. Yeah, that was uh, another weird thing. That's, that's one of the cool things about the Dye monsters is they they look bizarre and they have weird powers and you just can't tie them to any yeah. real realistic. They're very unique and memorable. 
even if you think they're completely ridiculous, or whether you think they're cool, nobody ever forgets their first gilon. <laughs> the gilon, it slices and dices, it makes julienne fries. Uh, my, my girlfriend is determined to make me a space gauss cake that when you cut it open, it's just filled with purple sponge cake. Like, <laughs> I'm going to have to tell her that kind of blocks. Yeah, there you go, all right. Uh, and then here's a flub. I accidentally attributed that to Giron when that is actually oh, secret. Whatever. My bad. Oh, yeah. Oh, whoa, there's Tom and Akio. All right, we're going to... Oh, my God. No, it's 12.50. Well, the less we say about secret, the better. I want a coke. Yes, I do want a coke. Anybody want a coke? <laughs> and this was like Daae's last gasp. The, the company had been mismanaged, and uh, they were planning to keep on making Gamera films. And in fact, they had already had scripts for future Gamera films. And uh, they were having trouble with distribution. They teamed up with another company. The budgets were slashed on this film. And Noriaki Yuasa told me at G-Fest 2000 when I did an interview with him, uh, not on stage, but we did a private interview in, in, uh, for about four hours. He, we originally scheduled two hours. And he goes, I like talking to you guys. Let's keep talking. Nice. And I was like, okay, thank you. And, uh, you know, he told us a lot of stuff about what was happening with the studio and a lot of boring technical stuff that I was really interested in. But uh, he said that, you know, they had to basically just walk through making Zigra. And there was one point where, um, <laughs> there was one point where Dae, in the middle of production, said, uh... Nobody gets paid this week. Uh, we can't pay you this week. And all of the staff, all the production crew, cameramen, gaffers, they rioted and were they wrecked the studio. Whoa, really? Yeah. They tried to Why are you guys applauding that? <laughs> That's expensive equipment back in 1971. So they were run, they were running around they were running around trashing trashing as much stuff as possible before they were stopped. Uh, and then uh, people were coming to work after they, they uh, some of the original props for the film were destroyed and they couldn't, they didn't have any money to make them again. So they had to jettison certain scenes and there's things that they couldn't complete and they just said, we've got to shoot what we can work with and get it done, get it in the can. Just that's, whatever, let's just put this one behind us. And so they, everybody keeps going back to the studio, like, well, we're going to go back one day and go to work. And they go back and they're like, studio closed, we're filing for bankruptcy. Oh, is as early as Zigra? Yeah, it was right after Zigra. Well, they came back with another though. Gamera versus. Well, Giant. actually, I think we did this out of order, but that's okay. Yeah. We're doing oh, order. Yeah, yeah Zigra was the last one. I've been very busy. <laughs> <laughs> any of you really? Does it really matter? No. 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 This is one of my personal favorite ones because I saw it again. I, I, I saw it in a broken record. I was at the right age. I saw these films all probably within six months of each other in the summer of 74, like spring and summer, uh, on, uh, on television. And uh, it was titled Gamera vs. Monster X. And now here's something you'll never read, in it. you haven't read in any book in English or any article in any magazine that has done anything on these films. Uh, like I said, AIP had sort of pre-bought. They said, you keep making them, we'll keep buying them. And... Um, the uh, Dae's uh, screenplay. Now, so a lot of people said, where did the title, when it came to AIP releasing this film straight to television, it was titled Gamera vs. Monster X, and everybody went, where did they get the Monster X from? Remember I told you about the placeholder titles? When Dae wrote the first draft of the screenplay was Gamera vs. Monster X. So when AI, by the time it got to AIP, they just kept the original title that they, they got from Dae. 
They said, oh, that sounds better than Gamma versus Jiger. What's, people are going to say, what's a Jiger? So they just said Gamma versus Monster X. And it's just, it's again, you know, it's a fun movie. It's got a really cool monster. It does really weird, crazy things. And I think we say that with every single film. I think we like them all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Who doesn't love the camera series? I'm serious. This stuff, I, I would say you can't make this stuff up that somebody made it up. I think the two, my two favorite parts of Gamera vs. Jagger are the, the name of the statue, the Devil's Whistle, which is pretty rad. <laughs> and then... And the, it's tiki, man. It's totally tiki. And the fact that they go all... Um, they get sh- uh, they don't get shrunk down like in uh, oh my god oh they do fantastic yeah, voyage yeah like fantastic voyage but yeah. they do the fantastic voyage thing because Gamera's massive and these kids take this tiny submarine and yeah and, and go and, and go into a baby Jiger, yeah. baby Jiger He's running around in my there. co-host Rachel is a like she's a total fan of any film that has a baby kaiju in it so she was like yay baby Jiger <laughs> I was like all right whatever when they threw the radio on and killed it she was bummed out. She she was actually yeah, she was yeah, like that was yeah. that was terrible. Yeah, that you know I can tell you that you also said that you know every you know they saw Fantastic Voyage in Japan it was released in Japan mm-hmm. and they went hey let's do a Fantastic Voyage riff and put it in Gamera vs Jiger. How are we going to make the excuse? Well, they have to go in Gamera's body to to you know to, yeah. to like do a medical operation on Gamera. So that was totally conceived based on Fantastic Voyage. Yeah, it's a great film. Uh, but also very silly, which is awesome. Everybody loves a good silly camera film, which I think is a perfect segue for us to move on. Yeah, but uh, I think we're out of time now, aren't we? Well, we've got five minutes. Okay. We'll, we'll zip through this super fast, because the next... Well, okay, you know, we, we could kind of skip Super Monster. What? <laughs> I was, actually, I was going to suggest maybe we just stick with the Showa. Okay. And we're going to say you guys want next year. For no, about say the show stuff, or do you want us to, like, very, very quickly... Go through Heisei and, and the Brave. Showa. 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 Heisei. Heisei. Showa. 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 <laughs> All right, so moving on to Gamma Super Monster. Who's for you? <laughs> so actually, I really am very interested in what happened between uh, the last film, Zigra, and Super Monster, and the whole bankruptcy thing, right. trying to bring things right. back in. We yeah. talked about it on the podcast when we uh, when we watched Gamma or Super Monster Gamma. Well, when Dai went bankrupt, all their holdings uh, were taken by Toho. Toho, uh, Toho kept all their holdings and kept their studio and used their studios as auxiliary studios. And uh, they also had their entire library. And then eventually, uh, in the late 70s, uh, Daae was purchased, uh, lock, stock, and barrel, um, by uh, Tokuma Shoten, which is the biggest, at the time, the biggest publishing company in Japan, because the owner, the president of Tokuma Shoten Publishing, loved Daae's movies more than any other film, Japanese films. And so he wanted to keep the Daae tradition going. And so he said, we have to make another Gamera movie. So that's, that's what rad. he did. And of course he said, you're going to make it for $14.95. Yeah. <laughs> but you're going to make it. Who has not seen that film? What? Good. Everybody's seen that movie. Except yeah. one person. But uh, yeah, this Don't movie is crazy. With a capital K. 
I mean, <laughs> the fact that we have these superhero women. This was right as yep. Superman came out, right? It came out in This movie came out in 1980, so there are riffs on Superman, the motion picture, Star Wars, Shane, Jaws, uh, and I'm forgetting. Uh, oh, and Space Battleship Yamato. And Galaxy Express, uh, Galaxy Express 999 show up. It is the weirdest, weirdest film. Yeah. <laughs> it's sort of like, we have to make a movie, we have no money to make it, uh, we can only cast six people in the film, but we have complete access to our past film library, so we'll make a compilation film and write a very sketchy story around it. I don't even really know what to say about this film. I mean, it's... Uh, the less it's, the better. The less the better? All right. Well, I, I want to end the, the panel because I have a couple things I have to do before my next panel. Uh, August, thank you so much for being up here with me, man.